Happy New Year to each and every one. Uh, big day, big day for us. Uh, we are finally trying after three attempts to uh, do a family Christmas to remember the birthday of our Savior. We had three December birthdays and we, there's one today. Uh, and so we're trying to take all that in. Uh, one of them has a zero in it and that's that's a pretty big deal uh, at least for the one that's got a zero in it um, but anyway great chance opportunity to be here and, and have the opportunity thanks to Mark and Steve and Joe for giving me the privilege of kicking off a new year uh, that's just one of the challenges I really like and hopefully we'll uh, we'll challenge you from from God's word so it's an honor and a privilege I always start off thinking about resolutions but Steve's nailed that when nobody does them anymore because nobody can stick to them the problem with the resolution is once you break it, it's done, you're through. Um, so I've always tried to move from resolutions to goals. Um, if you have a goal and you mess up one week, you can still do it the next week and you can carry on. Uh, and most times when I talk about goals to people, their eyes glaze over because they're not interested in that either. Um, I did pick up an idea several, several years ago from our son's church in Wilmington um, just to have a thought a thought for the year, a thought for each day that when you wake up in the morning, you reflect on that thought and it gives you guidance. And so I've been uh, reading through First Timothy. If you'll turn there, if you don't have your Bibles, please find one because we're going to be looking at Scripture. I didn't, it's not up here, sorry. It, it's in here. So hopefully you'll find your Bibles and you'll, you'll focus on that. Um, so I, I've gotten a thought out of First Timothy that I'll share with you. But I've also got four goals that help us achieve and think about this thought. So this is kind of, you know, one of those hybrid cars. It's electric and gas. This is a hybrid. It's a goal and it's a thought. Um, I know some of you, maybe one or two of you, actually take notes. Uh, the rest of us, our minds are still trapped, right? We remember everything. I was reminded of that a couple of weeks ago. I, I had to go to a doctor in Greenville. It was a big building. Big parking lot, a lot of people, very busy place. Went from there to the Target shopping center over here trying to do some Christmas shopping. Jam-packed crowd, big parking lot. I went from there to Food Line, big parking lot, a lot of people. And my thought as I drove out of Food Line was I remembered where my car was in all three locations. <laughs> I mean, that's an accomplishment. That, that is so sad when you're at that point. But, when you remember where your car, I didn't have to hit my alarm button, I, I found my car. That's the kind of mind. So, knowing that at least one or two of you are like that, I went ahead and had Leslie put the outline today because we want to think about this. You can cut this out, you can put it on your refrigerator, you can keep it in your Bible. Uh, but these are the thought, the thought for, for 2023 is what is God's will for my life every day that my feet hit the ground? And I'm blessed with life. What is God's will for my life? And we're going to try to share that with you from, from, from 1 Timothy. Uh, you know, we said Happy New Year. We said that this time last year too, didn't we? H how did that work out for us? For many of us, it was a really, really tough year. You know, I look around here, I see people with, with health problems that they didn't know they had last year. It's been a big, big struggle with health. If you're retired or if you've got an IRA or a 401k, been a pretty tough year for your finances. Standard and Poor's 500 lost 20%. That's a, that's a big chunk of money. 
especially if you're trying to live off of that money in, in retirement or you're trying to build for that so you can retire. Um, work issues, a lot of stuff, you know, the, the work world, the pressures, it's just amazing. It, it, it was a tough year there, too, I, I think, for most of us. And maybe relationships. Maybe you've had problems with relationships. Um, I'm ready for 2022 to be passed, as well as 2021, and, you know, COVID, all this stuff. I, I'm looking for a happy new year, but we don't control the circumstances, and we don't know what they're going to be. But what I can share with you today, 100%, is that if we know God's will for our life, the road will be smoother, the path will be, path will be less bumpy, and the crises, we will know how to handle them from God's perspective. So the goal is to know God's will, and I can tell you 100% right here, right now, that God gives us a path to knowing his will. Paul's writing to Timothy, Timothy, his son in the faith, a much younger man. Paul was his, the one that led him to Christ. Paul's the one that took him on missionary journeys. Paul's the one that has been guiding him and instructing him, writing him at least these two letters um, about how he should live his life, what it's like to follow Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, Timothy, God's will and plan for your life is very clear, and I'm going to just point it out to you to make sure. So the first thing he points out to Timothy, look in chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, but for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's writing to Timothy in a time when society is in a mess. If we had the time to go back and read verses 3 through 11, you'd see he was warning against false teachers, against false doctrine, against intellectualism against all these things that were out in the evil world and that Timothy needed to be aware of as he tried to understand what God's will for his life was. Do we see false doctrine, false teaching today? One of the major denominations in this country is being split and divided over false teaching and false doctrine. Some are choosing to say, no, we're going to go this way. Oh, don't tell me what God's word says. This is just how we feel. And others in that denomination are trying to say, no, we've, we've got God's, God's word and this is what it says. There's false teaching, false doctrine. And he's saying, Timothy, be aware of the evil in the world around you and focus on exalting the Savior. So that's the first point. He says, Timothy... You need to exalt the Savior. As Paul was reiterating and thinking through what had happened to him and how he came to know Jesus Christ, in verse 17, he just breaks into this time of worship and this time of praise. It's like his heart got so full of thinking about what God had done for him that he says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, King James says, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So he shares his personal testimony, and he breaks out into worship. 
He just mentioned previously that he was an example to Timothy and to others. So his example was, we need to exalt the Savior. In 2023, God's will for you and for me, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, is to exalt the Savior. It is to worship our God and Savior. In order to worship, we need to know what that really means. How would you define worship? Well, I had to go back and look it up to make sure I can give you a, a good definition. There's a man named Alfred P. Gibbs. He lived from 1890 to 1967. He was a preacher, he was a teacher, and he was an author. He wrote three great books that I've got in my library. Um, the first one was just entitled simply The Lord's Supper, pointing out how critically important the Lord's Supper is to Jesus Christ and to God the Father and how important it should be to you and me. Another book called The Preacher and His Preaching, helping understand how to preach and how to organize sermons, etc. But finally, he, he had a book entitled just simply Worship. He defines worship as this. It's the Christian's highest calling. It's our highest calling is to be able to worship. And then he says this. It's the declaration of the heart, not with its needs, not with its blessings, but with God alone. He points out that when we generally pray, we're concerned about our needs. When we actually get around to praising him, it's about our blessings. But when we worship him, it's about God himself. It's about focusing on who he is and his character and what he has done. And I know when we think about what he's done, we think about what he's done for us because that's what Paul did right here. But worship is focusing completely on God. There's another definition for it. It's a condensed word that comes out of worth-ship. It's, it's telling somebody what they're worth. So we're to focus on God solely, and we're to tell him what he's worth. That's what, that's what worship is. If you've got your Bibles, Revelation is, is one of the highest places of worship. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. This is what it's going to be like in heaven. So this is the example of worship in heaven that we need to bring to ourselves here on earth in 2023. Revelation 5, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The living creature said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. You and I need to take time, not just on Sunday mornings. I believe each day, maybe before our feet hit the floor, and simply worship and reflect on who God is and who Jesus Christ is and who the Holy Spirit of God is. And we need to take it in. We live in a society that I think is confused about worship because, you see, we want to do what we want to do. We want to do what's good for us. If you're my age, you can reflect back. You know, 
we didn't have comfortable seats in the church I grew up in. We had wooden benches, and they were hard. And my back didn't fit up against them, and my legs didn't reach the floor. And it was, it was tough. But to make it convenient for us, we now have soft, plush seats, right? Things have changed. Things have changed when we think about worship. There's contemporary worship, which I, I still can't find in the Bible. Maybe you can show me. Uh, it, it, it's what a lot of churches have at one time, and then they have a regular worship at another. I, I'm confused by that. Uh, but I think it's all about us more than it is about Christ. Um, we have casual worship. I was flipping channels the other night, and I came across one of these Christian stations and, and saw a service and a worship leader. I, I mean, he, he had more holes in his pants. I don't know how they stayed on, okay? But he's up there leading, he's up there leading the group. You know, we've, we've gotten casual, just comfortable and casual. Um, you can decide if you think that's right or not, but it's more about us. I think, than it is about God. Uh, and then we've got what some of us would call classic worship, the way we used to do it. My former boss from High Point um, is a really interesting person. Um, he, has a, he claims he has an attention span deficit. And so he said, Chuck, I have to go to churches that are quiet. You know, maybe an organ and a piano. None of these instruments. People are reverent and quiet so I can keep my attention. He's been to like 12 different denominations looking for this quiet church that he wants to find, okay? Um, he doesn't have a good attention span, no doubt. But he's still looking for what he wants. And, and you know, we all have to figure out how to go to church and where to go to church, and, and I get that. But we need to focus in our personal lives on exalting the Savior and worshiping our God each and every day. The best hint I ever got about how to do that was we had a Bible study in Kernersville one night, and I guess we were talking about the subject of worship. And a good friend of ours, a lady named Carol Spence, she spoke up and said, well, let me share what I do. She said, when I, when I start my quiet time every day, I separate what I'm praying about into two sections. The first thing I pray about is I just worship. I just tell God how great he is and how worthy he is and how wonderful he is. And I reflect on his different characteristics of love and mercy and grace. And I do that for a little bit. And then I read scripture. And then I pray for all those things I need and want and for my family and for, you know, income and finances and all that. But she splits her prayer time into two sections. And she just worships. And that's something I've been trying to do and been encouraged by that ever since I met her. You see... God's plan for you and me in 2023 is to exalt the Savior, to give real and true worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Steve's already mentioned that. I'll get there so I don't misquote it. Romans 12, verse 1. So there's worship in what we think and we pour out in, in our minds, and then there's worship in action. Paul again writing says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And how do we do that? We do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Right here, I believe it tells us his perfect will for us is to live a life 
that reflects a worshipful attitude and action toward our Savior. We need to exalt the Savior. The second thing that comes and I think flows out of this is that we need to evangelize the sinners. We need to evangelize the sinner. You see, the goal that comes out of Paul talking about how God had saved him is that he knows he needs to reach out and try to share the gospel. Back to 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15, says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, he might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Paul says God wants sinners to be saved. He wants sinners to be saved. Look at chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. The first two verses are set in the context. Again, he's talking to to Timothy, and you, you can see the urgency. He says, I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority. We're supposed to pray for those in authority. How hard is that? These days, it's close to impossible. But he says, do it. And you and I need to do it. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose... I was appointed a herald and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. So Paul says, God wants every man to be saved. And he says, and God appointed me to be a part of that process. In 2023, you and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be concerned about sinners. We need to be concerned about those in our world that don't know Jesus Christ. And we need to be concerned about pointing them to Christ. There's another key verse in 2 Timothy 4, 5, when he told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. I don't believe Timothy's spiritual gift was being an evangelist. I believe it was being a teacher. But Paul says, whatever your spiritual gift is, You need to be an evangelist. You need to be concerned about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to do that. Do we understand that? Are we evangelistic? You know, he points out in verse 16, be the the example. I just read about doing the work of evangelists. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, because I think this is key. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24 He's, he's giving him instructions, and he says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You and I need to reach out the sinners. And what did Paul say that was going to happen? They're going to oppose us. 
they're going to oppose us. So do we get in a screaming, fighting match with them? No. And this is where I struggle. But no. He says, be kind and be gentle as you share Jesus Christ. But it also means be bold because you've got to share Jesus Christ. So he's saying, Timothy, be concerned about evangelizing the sinner. I read a long, long time ago, but it's always struck me about a lady, and she got convicted that she needed to share Christ with others. But she wrestled with, she said, I'm an introvert. There's no way I can go door to door, knock on doors, and have people slam their doors. I can't do that, Lord. But here, I'll make a deal with you. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's what she said. She said, Lord, it's on you to bring somebody across my path every day. And it's on you for them to start a conversation that leads me to be able to share Jesus Christ. And she said, there's never been a day go by since that that didn't happen in my life. She said, just turn, turn it over to God and ask him to bring people along to bring up the conversation. Well, let me narrow it down even more. If I were to ask you right now, right here, to close your eyes and say, Lord, who? Who needs to hear from me? I guarantee you there's a face that just popped up. There's somebody in your life. It may be your spouse. How hard is that? It may be your kids. It may be your grandkids. It may be your coworker, your boss. It may be the people that, you re that report to you. It may just be your next door neighbor. But God has somebody out there. So instead of thinking, I've got to go to 40 people, just focus on who God has brought before you right now. For 2023, it can be the first person you seek to share Christ. You know, I know family is the hardest. I know it's the toughest, especially when they've told you, I don't want you to talk to me about that. You believe what you believe. I believe what I want to believe. But here's what happens if we don't talk to them about it. They remain lost. And if you're lost, you're doomed for hell without Jesus Christ. Is it worth taking some opposition? Is it worth them telling you, leave me alone again? We need to be sensitive and reach out and remember who needs to know. And, and while I'm talking, maybe right now you know that you are a sinner. With a group like this, a group out on Facebook, Jesus Christ loves you. He wants to forgive you from your sins. He wants you to repent and turn to him, and he offers you salvation. 2023 can be the greatest year of your life, regardless of circumstances, if you accept Jesus Christ. There's plenty of us here that would love to talk to you about it today if, if you have a desire to come to know him. But we need to evangelize the sinner. Thirdly, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 we need to edify the saints. Edify means to build up. It means to encourage. There's a lot of ways to do that. We're going to talk about it. In, in 2023, it's God's will for you to be actively involved in a local church. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a minute. And I don't want to discourage anybody here. But I've looked and searched high and low. And there is not a spiritual gift about just being a spectator. It's not in there. 
We're to be actively involved in a local church, figuring out where we fit in, how we fit in, and what we can do. Um, Look at chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul's saying, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. He's saying, Timothy, if I can't get there, you need to be active in your local church. And and when he says the household of God, he's not talking about this building. He's talking about the church. He's talking about your role in the local church. And so then in uh, chapter 4, we'll read verse 11 through 16. He says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. But be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He's saying, Paul, I challenge you to edify the church, to be a functioning, active part of the local church and the local body. You see, the church is God's place for believers. It's where we are to come for support, for comfort, for teaching, for preaching, for fellowship, and certainly the key time is to remember the Lord. But it should be the center of our lives and our focus. You know, there's all kinds of social groups. This has to be more important to me than my golf guys, okay? This has to be more important to me than my neighborhood, community, whatever. This has to be central. Because we need one another, and we need to build one another up. We need to come together. That's what he tells me. He says, be an example. I have to ask myself, if if everybody's watching me and how I function, are they being built up? Are they just being sort of neutral? Or are they being discouraged? He says, be an example to show others what the will of God is. He says, be devoted to activities that build up the local church. To be devoted means deeply dedicated to a belief. As Christians, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we're to be committed to functioning within the local church. I mean, we don't need to be spectators, but part of it is about showing up, right? As as Joe said, hey, you're one for one in 2023. Keep up the good work. We need to be here. It needs to be important. We need to show up and we need to build each other up. And what does he tell him? Verse 14, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. In the past, Mark has taught classes on how to know and understand what your spiritual gift is. Joe has just done a fantastic job on Wednesday nights bringing it to our mind again and helping us to understand and helping us to know 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 
Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What that says is each believer is given at least one spiritual gift, maybe more. Some people think they evolve over time. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. But each one of us is given a spiritual gift. And each one of us needs to use that spiritual gift for this to be a functioning local body the way it should be. Again, the Andrews family is finally gathering for gift giving in exchange this afternoon after lunch. I want you to imagine four adults, four kids. I hand out each of their presents, and they're shaking them and they're excited, and they can't wait to open them. And I say, this is your gift from your father, and I want you to be excited about it. But you can't open it up. <laughs> you, you can't really know what's in there. Take it home, shake it, try to guess, but don't open it. I'm giving you a gift, but I don't want you to know what it is. Is that what a father does? No. God the Father, through his spirit, has given us spiritual gifts, but he wants us to unwrap them. He wants us to know what they are. And it comes down to you prayerfully asking him to show you what your spiritual gift is. We went over this on Wednesday nights. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8 is a list of spiritual gifts. I don't believe spiritual gifts are out of the scripture. I think they're clearly in the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, a list. And again, you have to read through it, but you see spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and I believe 12. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We are each gifted. This, anyway, I've wrestled with this, but I'm going to give you an example. When you're not doing your spiritual gift, this body becomes more dysfunctional. And when several of you aren't using your spiritual gifts, it becomes more dysfunctional. A man that I worked with for a number of years, he played football at Fike High School for three years. They won the state 4A championship back in the late 60s. He won the Moorhead Scholarship to Carolina. Um, and he played football there for four years. Great athlete. He was on our management team. Best golfer on our team by far. He's just one of these guys that had it all. And he was fully functional. And, I mean, his life was, like, really, really great. And in May of 2021, he had a major stroke. And to this day, he can't move his left arm and he can't move his left leg. He can't walk. He can't function at all like he used to. That's what it looks like when we don't exercise our spiritual gifts, when I don't and when you don't, it's like a lame person, a dysfunctional, a handicapped person. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants us to be. So the challenge for 2023, we need to edify the saints. We need to build one another up. And the way we do that is you need to know what your spiritual gift is, and you need to be actively involved in this group here as we come together. Um, the last point, and this is really probably doesn't seem as important as the other, but yet all are keyed off of this, is we need to examine the scriptures. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He said, Till I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. If anybody's tried to preach or teach, you know you have to study the scripture. 
I mean, there, there are preachers out there to make it up, but that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to know what the scriptures say and share it. And so he's saying, Timothy, you need to examine the scriptures. You need to pay attention to what God's word says. You need to put out all the clutter and all the noise, all the Facebook mess, all the Twitter mess, all the Fox News mess, all the CNN mess. You need to get that out of your brain and out of your mind because that's not how you live a life that honors Jesus Christ. Knowing what his word says and how we're supposed to function, that's how you know what scripture says and what we're supposed to do. Uh, you and I need to focus on God's word. Uh, I, I, I read a recent survey about Americans that attend Protestant churches. Okay, you figure the vast majority are Christians or they claim to be Christians. But the question was, how often do you read the Bible? 32% said, I read the Bible every day. 27% said, I read it four times or more a week. And then you got down to the people that once a week and once a month. But if you do the math with me and assume that reading it every day or reading it several times a week is good, it's sort of examining the scriptures, you come up with 59%. 59% of Protestant Christian believers read the Bible regularly. Let's put that into context. This is our playbook, right? This is, this is what directs our path. Imagine a football team with 59% of the players that read and knew the playbook and 41% that didn't. You don't have to imagine it. You just have to watch Carolina's defense, okay? There's six or seven people that know what they're doing, and there's four or five that are clueless. What? The, the opposition lines up, the quarterback's getting ready to get it, and the Carolina guys are going. And sure enough, another touchdown, another score, another loss. 59% know it, 41% don't. Or maybe you go to the bank, and they got a sign that says, 59% of us know what we're doing. We've read the manual. We know exactly how to handle your money. Don't worry about that 41%. This is true. I, I went to Truist. Would have never happened at BB&T. I went to the drive-thru down here on Nash Street. I had a deposit. I had filled out my deposit slip. I had endorsed the check. It went through the window. And the girl just looked at it. Like, what do I, what do, I do with this? Now, maybe she was new. Maybe it was her first day. She shouldn't have been on the window if it was. But anyway, she looked at it. And she sort of started looking around. It's like, lady, you know, I don't have 20 minutes for you to figure out how to deposit my money. Uh, she walked over to somebody else to get help. Well, they were busy because they had people in line and they're not staffed properly. But anyway, uh, 20 minutes to deposit my check as I'm in a drive-thru. 59% know what they're doing. 41% don't have a clue. And so they make it up. They make it up. You know, that was bad at the bank. But I checked on my online, the deposit got made. But what about if you showed up to wherever your doctors told you to go to the hospital? And they got a sign out there that said 59% of our people, they know what they're doing. They got protocol, they're following it. Our nurses, our doctors. And you're saying, somebody, are you one of the 
Are you one of the 59%? Okay. It's important. <laughs> and, and I'll share with you something else that, that, that was presented to Kathy and I back when she was having her big health crisis 30 years ago. We were always asking the doctors, well, what, what, are, what are our percent chances? What are our percent chances of surviving this? And the wisest doctor we had, he looked at us, he said, look, the only percent that matters is what happens to you because what happens to you is going to be 100% of what happens to you. And we're going to do our best to make sure that 100% turns out in your favor. Okay, you and I can't control the 41%, but you and I can control the 100% of us. Are we examining the scriptures on a daily basis to know what God's will and God's plan for us is in our lives? We need to do that. And here's some guidance. We need to read it as it is written. Again, get all these biases out, all this stuff that influences you from the world, and read it as it is written, word for word, and think about what it says. Read it in the context in which it's written. You know, some of this he, he is talking to Jewish people and the, their culture, and some of it's talking to... We need to read it and understand it in context. And then we need to take personal application. Lord, what does this mean for me today? What do you want me to do with this? Is it about how I treat my coworkers? Is it about how I deal with my kids? Is it about how I work with my neighbor? God will bring that to you. Read it like it is. Read it for context. And then read it for application. Examine the scriptures. So regardless of our circumstances in 2023, if you and I know the will of God for our lives, if we follow the will of God for our lives, we will be where he wants us to be, and we will be blessed. We need to focus on exalting the Savior, which focuses us on God's glory. We need to evangelize the sinner, which focuses on God's gospel. We need to edify the saints, which focuses on God's gifts to us. And finally, we need to examine the scriptures, which focuses us on God's guidance. If we'll do this, 2023 will be a happy new year for you and for me. Our Father, we bow in your presence, and we again, we just lift you up for who you are. We thank you that in your grace you, you put up with so much, and yet with your kindness and your mercy you have reached us. So Lord, I'm just praying for all the believers here that you'll encourage our hearts, and I pray for any, pray for any that are listening that are not saved, that you will lead them today to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you give us a new year, you put the old things in the past, and you give us new opportunities. And so, Lord, help us to desire, to be devoted, to be the examples of knowing your will and following your will. We give praise to you and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen.